The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Stanzi going deep. Brodell, touchdown! Oh, what a throw and catch. They beat Chris Atkins for a 34-yard touchdown play, and Iowa leads it 23-9. Well, he couldn't have thrown it any better. Beautiful delivery by Stanzi. He gets the time. Little pump fake, hitch and go. Ken O'Keefe calls this play at exactly the right time. Pound it, pound it, pound it, then take your shot down the field. Second down and 10 for the Hawkeyes, and they've been very good in the red zone. Three for three, two touchdowns and a field goal. Stanzi play action. Over the middle, got a man wide open. It's Myers, touchdown, Brandon Myers. What a yard, touchdown pass from Ricky Stanzi, and Iowa leads 30 to nine. Decisive score for Iowa there. 6.30 to go, third quarter. The Hawkeyes increase their advantage to 31 to nine. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyesmike.com. Last Saturday's Iowa-Indiana game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with Wayne Larravee, Chris Martin, and sideline reporter and former Hawkeye star Anthony Heron. Those guys always do a terrific job. They're fun to listen to. We very much appreciate it and thank them. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season. This week, once again, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game. We'll take a look at the Big Ten conference and we'll also preview the Iowa-Wisconsin game. And during the course of the season, we'll also hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments each week by calling 866-74-HAWKS. Hampton the tail of the tandem, Iowa, and second down and goal. Reisner in motion, straight ahead, Hampton's in the end zone. Jewel Hampton with his third rushing touchdown of the season, and the Hawkeyes lead it 9 to nothing. Well, whether it's Green, whether it's Hampton, you have to be physical at the point of attack. Iowa leading by seven, looking for more. First down now, the Hawkeyes again inside the red zone, this time to the 12-yard line. Here comes Green to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone, touchdown. Went right through the alley off the right side of the offensive line, 12-yard touchdown run, and Iowa leads it 16-3. to John Green saying, what ankle? You give me the rock outside, and I get behind my big hogs and get my shoulder square, nobody's touching them. The Iowa Hawkeyes got a much-needed win in dominating fashion last Saturday, breaking a three-game losing streak and smashing the Indiana Hoosiers by a final score of 45-9 in Bloomington. The Hawks broke a two-game losing streak to Indiana, led by both the offensive and defensive lines. On defense, the interior defensive line, especially Iowa's special Ks, Mitch King and Matt Kroll, completely dominated Indiana's spread offense, limiting both quarterback Kellen Lewis and all-purpose back Marcus Thigpen. And an offense, after a sluggish first series, everything clicked. Iowa quarterback Rick Stanzi looked like a seasoned veteran, completing 12 of 20 passes for 184 yards and two touchdowns. The offensive line completely controlled the line of scrimmage, and running backs Sean Green and Jewel Hampton had a field day, running over, around, and through the Hoosiers' defense. Green gained 115 yards on 23 carries with a touchdown, and Hampton carried the ball 22 times for 114 yards, scoring three touchdowns. The Hawks ran 73 
three offensive plays, and they nearly doubled Indiana's time of possession. Perhaps most importantly, in a complete turnaround from the last few weeks, the Hawks did not commit a single turnover, and special teams play was excellent. Iowa also improved their third down conversion rate, going 5 for 11, and they went 6 for 6 inside the red zone, scoring touchdowns on five of those tries. Iowa desperately needed this win, and they made it look easy, although against, admittedly, a not very good Indiana team. But after three close losses, you could feel the team's collective sigh of relief. Only the Hawks' second road win in their last 12 road games. The Hawks keep their bowl hopes alive and look like they might be competitive in each of their remaining five regular season games, especially if they continue to show improvement. There was no doubt that this was the best overall game of the year for Iowa in all phases, offense, defense, and special teams. This started to remind you a little bit of the kind of physical performances you used to see from the Ferentz-coached Hawks when they won Big Ten titles. Some interesting facts from last Saturday. For Sean Green, this was his seventh straight 100-plus yard game, leaving him only 63 yards shy of a 1,000-yard rushing season. This was also a breakout game for Jewel Hampton returning to his home state and facing an Indiana team that failed to even try to recruit him. The other two Hoosier natives on Iowa also had solid games. Linebacker A.J. Eads had four tackles in a forced fumble, and kicker Trent Musbrucker was 6-for-6 six six in extra points and hit a 26-yard field goal. Third-string Iowa quarterback Mark Marvin McNutt played wide receiver later in the game, and he caught his first career pass. Of its 422 yards in total offense, Iowa gained 280 of them in the second half, scoring the game's last 28 points and shutting out Indiana. And while the Hawks totaled 227 yards on the ground, the longest run was 16 yards. Power football at its best. That also allowed Stanzi to execute play action with precision. Now Iowa returns to Kinnick Stadium to face a dangerous Wisconsin Badgers team that has its own three-game losing streak with their backs against the wall. More about that later in the show. Great story. Compelling and rich. Hawkeyesmike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. A quick review of game notes and key stats is brought to you by Prefence, a revolutionary new hand sanitizer that kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi for up to 24 hours with a single application. Go to www.prefence.com. Prefence is now the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa men's and women's basketball teams and the defending NCAA champion Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling team. Iowa's 45 points is its second highest point total in a single game in the 2007 season, and the 36-point win was its largest margin of victory over a conference opponent since beating Northwestern in November of 2002 in Iowa City. Iowa failed to score in its first possession of the game once again. That's the fourth time now in seven contests. But the Hawks also blocked Indiana from scoring in its opening possession. All seven Iowa opponents this season have failed to score on their opening drives. Iowa's final scoring drive of the game, 13 plays and 68 yards, time of possession, 633. That's the longest for the Hawks this season in plays and time. 
Iowa totaled over 39 minutes in time of possession. That's the second highest total for the Hawks ever under Kirk Ferentz. This was also Kirk's 150th career game as a head coach. His record improved to 77 and 73 with the win over the Hoosiers. Through the first six games of this season, Iowa had scored only 13 points in the third quarter. Against Indiana, however, the Hawkeyes scored 14 points in the third quarter. This was also the Hawks' first game of the year with no turnovers. Wide receiver Andy Brodell caught four passes for 95 yards and a touchdown. He had a 34-yard TD reception in the third quarter. That's his third score in three weeks, all over 30 yards. Key stats, first downs, the Hawks 28 to Deanna's 15. Net yards rushing, 227 for the Hawks, only 95 for the Hoosiers. Yards passing, 195 for Iowa, 191 for Indiana. Total offensive yards, domination by the Hawks, 422 to Indiana's 286. On offensive plays, Iowa runs 73, the Hoosiers 64. Next up, it's time to hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz. Kirk talks about the Wisconsin game. You know, obviously we got a big challenge this week, uh, and that that's really uh, what's important right now. And we're, we're playing a very good football team. They're very talented. You know, they're they're uh, you know coming off a pretty tough schedule portion of their schedule. To, you know, don't don't let what's happened the last couple of weeks fool you. I mean, this is an excellent football team coming in. They're very strong, very veteran, and and they're very physical. And they've got some very good players. They're well coached. So, you know, we've got a challenge ahead for us. You know, and uh, that's a challenge for us right now is to maximize our time, including our assistants maximizing their time. And uh, hopefully we'll be ready to go on Saturday. But it'll be good to be back in Kinnick, and, and we're looking forward to it. Ought to be a real good Big Ten football game. Kirk was asked whether the Indiana game was the best game his team has played so far this year. The thing we talked about, obviously, was taking care of the football. You know, we hadn't done a good job of taking care of the football, and it made a world of difference Saturday. But uh, really happy. Our, our players have been playing hard each and every week. They've, they've been playing uh, competing hard. And we had to Saturday. Uh, I think that score was not representative of the kind of game it was, I don't think. And that hopefully we've learned a little bit about the value of taking better care of the ball. It's something we did a better job of a year ago. And, uh, you know, if we can do that, that will certainly help us. But it was, it was a positive step for us, and it was great to win. I mean, we, we needed to win. Kirk discusses whether the performance at Indiana reinforced the notion that things were moving in the right direction and the team was actually improving each week. Yeah, you know, I think our players and, and probably coaches have been more realistic than people outside the program. I think we, we uh, you know, we see the film every week. We watch our guys practice. And I, I said a week ago, I, you know, I wasn't discouraged at all with our football team. I was disappointed, but uh, all of us were. You know, it gets down to, to conference play when you're in competitive play. It gets down to the things that get you beat, turnovers, special teams, penalties. It's very cliche, but most cliches are pretty true, and uh, it's certainly true in football. Ferentz talks about the key to slowing down Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, you know, choose your poison because, uh, you know, you start with Beckham in the passing game. I don't know if we've defended him uh, very well uh, career-wise, nor have many people. The guy's really an excellent football player there. Uh, the, you know, Gilreath is a great speed player and a, a big-time play, big player. Jefferson's got good size. He can run. So they, they've got guys that can hurt you in the passing game. And, uh, you know, it gets down to playing good team defense again because obviously these guys are very strong. They're very experienced, very big up front, and uh, both of their running backs could, you know, probably be playing center or guard if they played for us. You know, they're so big, and, and uh, I don't know if our guys are that strong, but they, they're, you know, Clay and uh, Hill are both big, big, strong guys. Barrett spent some time talking about Mitch King's outstanding play as well as Matt Kroll's, the two big defensive tackles. You know, they've worked extremely hard uh, in a couple areas, uh, strength and conditioning's, you know, 
paramount, and then they understand technique. They, they really understand it, and they work at it. Technique's something that can fade. If you, you know, it's like uh, hitting a baseball or uh, shooting a basketball. I mean, you've got to work at it and practice it routinely. And uh, you know, they're very well coached. You know, we've had great line coaching from Rick and uh, Ron Aiken also. And but you know, that that's kind of the way we are. I mean, we tend to be a smaller group up front both sides of the football historically it's been that way and if you compare us size wise to other teams around the big 10 either lines usually we're we're somewhere in the middle or in the bottom but that's just how we've played kirk was asked about the play of his offensive line yeah we're, we're, it was going slow progress was slow in the spring but i think in camp things started to pick up a little bit and they, they've been they've been working hard yeah, i wouldn't minimize you know a guy like uh, brueggemann you know who we all took him for granted in one in one sense because the uh, main game was his first ball game plan uh, you know, we just all looked at him as like a third-year guy, but with a knee injury, you know, that, that kind of knocked him out of last year. Not kind of, it did. It knocked him out of last year. But, he, but he's got the maturity of a fifth-year guy, some very quiet leadership capabilities or attributes that are very important. So, you know, it's, it starts with him a little bit and Seth, you know, those two guys. And Seth didn't have a good spring. That hurt us. You know, he was out most of the spring. So, anyway, you know, we, we've been pretty healthy for the most part from the start of camp. And uh, competition's been good. You know, it's still pretty good. We still have some guys battling for playing time, and we've got some guys that are improving right now behind the scenes that are back up. So, yeah, I, th- I think those guys are moving in the right direction. It's a, They're doing a good job. A lot of that's maturation, though. Ferentz talks about the closeness of the Iowa-Wisconsin rivalry. Uh, it's a little bit reminiscent. When I was here in the 80s, it seemed like when we played Michigan State, it was always a, you know, four-quarter ball game, you know, 59-plus. You know, it just would always go down to the last minute, and for whatever reason, I can't explain why that was, but that's how it worked, and I guess, you know, we were, we were probably similar programs too baby in that, in that time frame and you know, we looked forward to playing Wisconsin in the 80s you know at the end of the 80s not in the early 80s but things tailed off there a little bit but you know when Barry went there that all changed you know he's done a wonderful job and Brett's done a great job uh, keeping that program up and running maybe even taking it higher so they've, they've they've really had it going they've done a nice job but it's just you know it's been a competitive series it's been fun to be involved in the games. Ferentz talks about Jewel Hampton's breakout performance in the Hoosier game. It was great to see, and it was important to see because, uh, you know, Pocky's been nicked up here the last couple weeks, so um, our next man in list is getting a little shorter. And uh, But, you know, we, we've seen him grow every week. You know, he's done a nice job on special teams. He's practicing well. He, he really doesn't act like a first-year guy, except when he's trying to put the ball out there. That's a little scary. But other than that, uh, he's, you know, and that's an aggressive mistake, but he, he's really... He's gaining ground, and that was very valuable for him the other day. You know, to to uh, play against good competition, and you know, he, you know, he did a good job. But I, I uh, go back to the uh, he ran a, a play in front of Northwestern's bench. You know, it was as good a run. It was an important run. You know, for him, I think it was a tough run. He made like seven yards, I think it was. Uh, so yeah, we're seeing him grow every week. So that's good because you know it's you like to have a couple guys ready. And I think Pocky's back with us too, so that's encouraging. Ferentz was asked how much the offense needed a game like Saturday's, not only to win, but put up a lot of points. I think, yeah, two things that were important, protecting the ball better, uh, and then the other part was, you know, getting into the red zone, which we've been doing that, and then, you know, just being frustrated down there. So uh, to finish out drives, to, to, to get points on the board, you know, that, that was really big for us, and we needed that. And That's part of football is, is just, you know, and we're hardly out of the woods right now, but at least uh, we got to experience some success, so hopefully you can build on that. And, uh, you know, it's as simple as, you know, you hope players, hey, this is a lot more fun than, you know, getting stopped, that kind of thing. So uh, it's a good reason to work even harder. Next, Wisconsin head coach Brett Bielman talks about the Penn State game and the upcoming contest against Iowa. 
unfortunate pleasure of playing Penn State this past weekend. A uh, very good football team that executed on all cylinders, offense, defense, and special teams. So we did do so well, especially in the second quarter. Uh, a few things went away from us and uh, got the game out of hand and uh, didn't, didn't uh, fare very well in the day. But excited for an opportunity to, to go play an Iowa team that obviously played very well last week against Indiana. Um, I know they're a hungry football team, kind of going through some of the same things we have. And uh, two programs that are a lot alike. Uh, I spent a lot of years there as an assistant uh, before Kirk and with Kirk. And, uh, I have a lot of respect for their program and their players. And I think it'll be a great opportunity to watch a Big Ten football game. Bielma talks about the starting quarterback and who that might be. Well, the big thing we have going for us is we've got two options that uh, you know have done some good things. Uh, Allen obviously has been our starter throughout every game and, and uh, started this last ball game, didn't perform, did some good things uh, to get us a, a drive going in the, in the middle of the second quarter, but uh, unfortunately didn't uh, have the best performance uh, down the stretch, and, and that's when we went with an option to bring in Dustin, and he did some good things, but also on the same account didn't do everything right, so we're going to kind of take this week, understand where we're at, and then, uh, probably make a decision on Friday and move forward. Brett discusses what things he's looking for in quarterback play. The guy that um, is able to basically manage the game the way we, uh, you know, set it up, the game plan that we have in place. We want, obviously, because he's a quarterback, to be able to take the ball from under center, take the ball from the shotgun, put it in the right hands, uh, you know, in the run game, and obviously make the best decisions in the passing game. Bielmo was asked about Iowa's Mitch King. He reminds me a lot of uh, uh, several players that have been there during Kirk's era. Uh, you know, there's uh, a couple guys that jump out, you know, just the way he plays, the mentality uh, that those defensive linemen uh, have played with. And it's just a mindset that uh, kind of goes with that defense. I know when I first uh, started coaching with Norm Parker uh, and Ron Aiken was the defensive line coach, so I had a little transition there, but the product and the results are still the same. There was a huge emphasis on defensive line play that was new to me about the way they control gaps, the way that they are heavy on certain uh, techniques. and. Uh, just a, a kind of a different way of playing defensive line that uh, from the general observer probably doesn't see too much, but it's really appreciated from a coaching standpoint. And, and Mitch, on top of being a, a phenomenal football player, is a great, great competitor. And I uh, have been around him just on a limited basis, uh, you know, from a, a point off the field this, uh, this year in the summer meetings. And, he, and obviously for, for what Kirk brings to the program, he's just a tremendous individual. There's been a lot of discussion in Wisconsin, as there has in Iowa, about their traditional offensive styles. Bielma was asked about his offensive theory. Well, the big thing is, uh, for us, uh, recruiting-wise, uh, we feel that we can kind of recruit uh, the type of players that we need in our, our system, especially from an offensive point of view, because of the identity that we have here at Wisconsin. Uh, because of the way the game's evolved, we became uh, a little bit more of a uh, an untraditional type of offense, just because of... There aren't very many teams that, that are doing what we do. Uh, Iowa does run some versions of the spread a little bit more than we do, just from the quarterback and the run game that he may or may not uh, be able to execute. But, you know, it's, it's a little bit also has to do with we're one of the few teams, us, Michigan State and, and Iowa, that carries fullbacks on their rosters, guys that line up in front of the tailback and can execute certain things uh, in the run game and the pass game. So, you know, and then just philosophically, uh, you know, we, what we love to do is, you know, be able to consume the clock and be able to eat up yardage and, and keep moving the chains to create first downs and ultimately we'll end up scoring points. Bielma talks about the future of more traditional offenses. Well, uh, hopefully uh, good things for us here. You know, the, the bottom line is, you know, there's uh, a certain evolution, I think, with just football players in general. Um, you know, that, that uh, certain guys want to be involved in certain aspects. Obviously, you see the NFL now this year has had the first signs a spread, uh, you know, coming about when I'm sitting back on Friday or on Sunday nights and, and have an opportunity to watch the uh, late night shows on, on uh, the ESPN highlights. There's, 
teams that are implementing the spread in the NFL, and ultimately, you know, that's that's probably the deciding force because, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL that uh, have run spread in the college level haven't really gone on and done great things uh, in the NFL, but uh, that's, that's maybe a con- something that's evolving. And Bielma was asked if those teams not running the spread offense creates recruiting problems, especially at the skill positions. Well, you still got to evaluate the athletes and, and determine where they're going to fit in the program. And obviously, you know, with the spread, uh, now the one thing that's a, an advantage in our system for a tailback and, and uh, when we recruit them, they're, they're the featured ball carrier. Well, you know, our quarterback, they're not going to split reps running the football with a quarterback. I'm the same account of wide receiver uh, that wants to get on the field. You know, now he's, he's splitting time with three of the wideouts that are on the field instead of maybe two or three. Sometimes there's four or five. And a tight end, it's a traditional tight end. What we found uh, is a positive for us because we're a team that uh, you know has led uh, the country in, in tight end receptions the last couple of years, and, and t- people that play those positions uh, traditionally want to go to those type of schools. And you know, bottom line, uh, you know, from from an NFL standpoint, they really do. Um, at least the comments that I'm getting with, with a couple senior offensive linemen, they appreciate and, and and really like the aspect of being able to evaluate uh, the guys on the college level who are going to do what they do at the next level uh, instead of guys that are running you know spread type offenses. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. This is Nick from Iowa City. Uh, Just got done watching the game a little bit ago, and I wanted to say how nice it was to see uh, we stop shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, It seems like the last couple games that we put together good drives, but then we end up turning it over. Uh, it seems like we're really coming together. Also, it seems like Stansy is feeling even more comfortable in the pocket and uh, starting to learn maybe the uh, offense a little better. I, I, I look forward to the Wisconsin game if we play like we did uh, today uh, uh, against Indiana. I think that we'll do uh, really good and we have a good chance to win. So, go Hawks. The other day I was so desperate for a beer, I snuck into the football stadium and ate the dirt under the bleachers. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. This week, Sean Patchett visits with Marv and pays special attention to the end of this conversation for a quick little preview of the Iowa City Regina Solon High School football game this Friday. All right, finally, a big win for the Hawks. Talk a little bit about your overall impression of the game. I mean, it was obviously, it was, that was a Big Ten Iowa football. That's how you would draw it up on the blackboard and they work it every single day. That's that's what they want to do. And and it kind of goes what we've been saying the last three or four weeks. This is a pretty good football team. When they can line up and get after you physically, they got a chance to be a really good football team. And, and I mean, I thought they were just, they were dominant in all phases and, and just completely controlled the tempo of the game. And it was just, it was a prototypical Iowa, the way they want to win football games. Do you think this is a breakthrough or a turning point game for the Hawks? They seem to be gelling. Or do we still need to see a little bit more before we know? Well, I don't think Indiana's that good. I mean, I think they lost a lot of great players last year, and uh, they're a down team. And, and any win's a big, big is a good win, and to be that dominant and that physical up front and, and that that successful in, in all fa- all phases of the game was pretty impressive, in my opinion. So, it's a good win. I mean, I think this week this week will truly tell us are we a good team, are we an average team, are we a, you know below average team and. And Wisconsin's obviously coming off three straight losses with uh, 
you know, their situation. So, I mean, it, it, we'll know more this week than we did out of the Indiana. So, I mean, you know, I think they did a great job, and, and like I said, I still think they're a good football team and uh, playing extremely well. As a former player and now a coach, what does a win like this, especially on the road, do for a team? It's great for the young guys. I mean, for the, for the older guys that have been around, I think they're going to realize that, you know, Indiana probably wasn't as good a test, and they're going to see Wisconsin coming down the stretch. So I think, I think a win on the road is great to get back to, to uh, you know, where they're at in the Big Ten rankings is going to be a, a good situation for them to know that, okay, if they, if they get on a little roll here, they got a chance to get to a nice bowl game and, and have a very successful season. So, um, but, you know, any wins, you know, Big Ten, you play to win the Big Ten. And, and so you want to win Big Ten games. And uh, from that standpoint, it was uh, very successful. And then the fact that a lot of young play, players were able to get in and play, get some Big Ten experience was a great thing for them. And so there's a ton of positives to be taken out of this game. Let's talk a little bit about the offense. Other than the first series where he looked a little shaky, what do you think of Stanzi's play and how is he evolving? Yeah, very well. I mean, I, I think he's, he's doing a good job of just getting more and more comfortable with each snap he takes. And, and that's the hard part is you just got to realize that he just hadn't had a lot of snaps in there. And, and uh, you know, he's just going to get more and more comfortable with his receivers. Uh, like to see that he's looking for the tight end a little bit and, and finding the tight end in the mix. And so, you know, I mean, that's, uh, he's just doing a good job of spreading it around, uh, making the, you know, the, the solid throws right now. And, and every once in a while, stretching the defense. You know, good to see him go over the top with Brodell a couple times, you know, and, and take advantage of that. So th those things all help. You know, I think he's definitely, he's, he's, he's a guy that you can tell he knows where everybody's supposed to be. And when the guys get there, he'll get them the ball. Sean Green continues to shine, even when he looks hobbled a little bit. Thoughts there? Yeah, just, I mean, he's a man, you know. And, and if you look at good rosters, and we talk about this numerous times, is the fact that you, if you got a good a group of running backs you know in your 12 team you got a good football team that means you got athletes and uh, I mean that guy is incredible uh, I mean he's you know yards after contact yak yards he's incredible at that he, you know, first guy hardly ever brings him down he makes it a a manageable situation offensively when you hand him the ball because he's going to get you three or four you're going to be in second and medium second and short third and short and those are manageable plays when you're in third and 14 third and 15 you got problems and he gives you the flexibility from an offense. If you want to hand it off to him two times, there's a good chance you're going to be looking at third and short. Looks like we've also seen the emergence of Jewel Hampton, not just on kickoff returns, but now in the backfield. Yeah, and I think the kickoff returns have helped him develop some confidence in, in some, you know, the speed of the game and realizing how fast things can go. And and that's a good changeup. He's a little bit different runner. He, he reminds me a little bit of Jamel Lewis, uh, the way Jamel used, Lewis used to run, like a like a smooth strider, but yet slasher a little bit to some extent and a little bit of a burst there. So. So from that standpoint, I think it's a good mix-up for Iowa and a good combination. And another a very dominating performance by the offensive line. They seem to be getting better each week. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're at times imposing their will on the other team. And that's, you know, from an offensive line standpoint, there's nothing better than when you know you need two yards, you can line up and get it. And, you know, for the most part, they've been able to, to, to do that consistently. They're really, the, their zone steps, their inside and outside zone steps are incredible to watch those guys work together as a, as a group. And, you know, the pad levels are staying square, move, moving up to the next level. They're just doing a great job from a fundamental standpoint of, of uh, you know, doing the zone steps and zone reads. So it's, it's, it's been impressive to watch those guys come along. Yeah, I noticed during the game they were talking a little bit about how Iowa players are really good at keeping square shoulder pads mm -hmm. and it helps them bounce off the first mm -hmm. and stuff. Well, Stansy went to Brodell again in this game for some big plays. It appears that Brodell's becoming his go-to receiver. How does that happen when a quarterback and receiver just seem to click in? What does it mean for the other receivers? Well, it's, you know, it's, 
you get a comfort level as a quarterback and as a receiver that you know if you do run the right route and you get open, the quarterback will get you the ball and he's looking for you to be there. And so it, it motivates you to get there and, and to make sure you're making a good move and getting to that spot. And I think they're developing that confidence in each other. And, uh, you know, Brodell's a guy that's sneaky fast, I think, and can you know, mix it up with the shorter the, the hooks, route, hook routes and curls and things like that. And then can actually go over the top on the goes or the post. So uh, that's a good combination. It's hard to defend. So uh, and then what that does is now teams got to look at Brodell and they maybe have to keep a safety over the top. They have to, you know, uh, you know, rob, rob down a safety and, and, and double team. And then now it frees up the tight end on the on the dig routes or the crossers and things like that to be one on one against the linebacker. And then that's an advantage for the tight end. So, I mean, it, it all works together, you know, and and uh, usually if you find one receiver that's that's having a lot of success it's usually because of somebody else is, is drawing more attention or things like that so it's a team game you got three or four or five guys going out for routes you know if everybody's doing their job and the quarterback's able to find him and that's the thing i think stanzi does a nice job of is he's shown that the ability to distribute it to different receivers i mean he doesn't just sit and bang 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 on one guy i mean he's he's able to hit the backs he's able to hit tight ends he's able to hit you know brodell and and by doing that it makes it hard for a defense to actually cover him well, the defense was just dominating, and it looks like Norm Parker is employing some new twists and schemes to try and shut down the spread offense. Yeah, and he, I think he's always been, for the most part, pretty good against a lot of it. And, uh, I mean, I, I think the number one thing is we are good up front. I mean, our front four, our front four and then our linebackers are studs. And then I think we are better in the back end than we have been in a long time. And it's exciting because we're young there as well. So. I think that allows them to be a little bit more aggressive. You know, instead of giving them an eight-yard cushion, now you can come up and give them five, six-yard cushions, and then you can cover the hitches and the outs a little bit better, a little bit tighter. It requires a tighter throw for the quarterbacks and things like that. So I just think we're better across the board uh, in the back end of our defense right now, which has helped us immensely in the passing game, which has uh, you know, allowed us to really kind of pack it in there and stop the run. Let's turn to the Wisconsin game. Increasingly a big rivalry game now for the Heartland Trophy. Wisconsin looks like it's beginning to unravel a little bit. Questions about quarterback, perhaps not as much speed as in the past. What do you think is going on with the Badgers right now? Well, schedule is one. You know, Ohio State, Penn State, and uh, I'm trying to think of who they're, where they're th or Michigan, where they're three losses. You know, I mean, Michigan's obviously probably not as good a football team as people thought, but Wisconsin had them down big at half, and then they just, you know, let up or something. So, I mean, they're going to come in here aggravated, uh, you know, wanting to show that they're not a bad team. And if they lose four in a row, then there's going to be some serious issues up in Wisconsin, but if there aren't already. But, but I mean, it's still a good football team. They P.J. Hill is still going to pound it on you, and they're going to run the ball hard. And, and the tight end is an incredible athlete. Uh, and, and the quarterback has at times can be accurate. I know they're trying to figure out what they're doing with the quarterback position. But, uh, you know, you got to stop the run. And if, if they get the run going, you got problems. And, and uh, you know, one of the things we got to do offensively is control the ball, make sure that PJ, you know, is not that the running back's not on the field, and that's the best uh, best defense. A lot of times, is a good offense, ball control. That's what Wisconsin wants to do. So, uh, but it's going to be a great challenge, and it's going to be, uh, you know, if Iowa can get a win in this atmosphere, you know, like I said, this would be a great stepping stone for this team, and really just continue to solidify the fact that I think they're a pretty darn good football team. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the Iowa's defensive line go up against Wisconsin's offensive line. It'll yeah, be fun to watch. Yeah. We've talked about this before, but it's another team that mirrors Iowa's offensive scheme and one that probably they match up well with the Hawks. Exactly. I mean, they, they both want to establish the run. They both want to be physical up front and pound on you, and, you know, and impose your will. And in the Big Ten, at some point, you got to do that because the weather could be sloppy. Uh, you have to have the ability to do that. And I think, you know, it, it is going to be a battle of trenches. I mean, it's truly going to be 
the best team up front, offensively and defensively, is going to have a great chance to win this ball game because I don't see I don't see a lot of high scoring, you know, in this game. You know, 21 points would be would be a good number for an offense in this type of atmosphere. You know, it's just going to be a, a battle of wills, and I think, you know, I think our guys are definitely up to the challenge. And I think, you know, we're a team that's moving in the right direction. I think Wisconsin is is you know obviously with the record moving in the wrong direction, but yet there's still some talent there. So I was going to definitely be prepared. Recent history in this series shows very hard-fought, close contests. Um, what are your keys to the game? In close games, special teams, turnovers, uh, penalties, field position. I mean, that's a lot of keys, but that's, you know, it's, it's going to have to, when you play that kind of game and it's going to be a close game, you can't make mistakes on your side of the field and those types of things. And if you do, you got to have the ability to slam the door shut on them and, and uh, you know, weather weather momentum you know the, the the change of momentum in the course of a game and just uh you know but ultimately it's going to be right there like you said between the tackle boxes is where it's going to come down to in my opinion and the team that controls the line of scrimmage is going to be the team that has the most success all right well can't let you get away without a prediction this week number one ranked solon hosting number three regina who do you think wins wow, and why? i tell you i tell you to be honest with you it, Solon is just, you know, they're the, they're the benchmark. I mean, in two-way football, I mean, they, you know, state, state championship game two years ago, state champion last year, um, you know, 20 straight wins. So, I mean, they've been hanging large numbers on a lot of people uh, by the first half. So, you know, we're just going to try to stay in it as long as possible and, you know, hopefully make it turn it into a kicking game. We, we feel comfortable with our kicking game to some extent. And um, just uh, it should make for an exciting Friday night in Iowa City and Solon area. So. Any other thoughts? No, it's just I, like I said. I'm I'm excited to watch the Hawks. Uh, you know, and you know we've had this conversation uh, many times, but I think I think they got a chance to be a really good football team in the Big Ten. It's exciting to see that the quality of talent we have coming up on our schedule. I mean, it should be an exciting time. The next five or six weeks in Iowa City should be fun, uh, fun games. So uh, excited to watch them keep progressing. side again. Jewel Hampton inside the five, reaching for the goal line. Touchdown for the Indiana native. Ten-yard run. Jewel Hampton reached it across. This young kid was determined to make Big Ten tonight. Another good cutback run by the youngster, finishing it with authority. Second down for Iowa. Hampton, no doubt. Touchdown. They're not going to have to replay that one. No, partner. he's making sure of it. And I think he wanted that one for a stash yeah. sheet. And Jewel Hampton, uh, again, out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, two touchdowns, 100 plus yards rushing today. Just kind of skipped over the line that time. <laughs> Interesting Big Ten notes and stats going into week eight of the 2008 season and week four of conference games. The Big Ten now has four teams with six or more wins. That's more than any other conference in the country. Penn State is also one of only six teams that are seven and oh. Last week saw five more FBS schools suffer their first losses of the season, including three of the top four ranked teams. It also featured road wins in four of five conference games in the Big Ten, including Iowa's victory at Indiana. At this point in the season, the Big Ten already has four programs that are bowl eligible, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, and surprising Minnesota. The Big Ten also surpassed the three million mark in total attendance last weekend, something it has done now for 44 straight years. Key 
games this weekend include Ohio State at Michigan State. There is just one trophy game on tap this coming Saturday when Iowa hosts Wisconsin for the Heartland Trophy, the newest of the conference's 15 traditional trophy games. Interesting Big Ten stats through last Saturday's game. Sean Green is now second in rushing and fifth in all-purpose yards. Rick Stanzi is third in pass efficiency, and Jewel Hampton is ranked fourth in kick return average. The Hawks are fourth in total offense, fifth in scoring offense, third in total defense, and first in scoring defense. The grumbling is also beginning to get a little louder in two Big Ten towns. Badger fans are very unhappy with Wisconsin's three-game losing streak. And in Ann Arbor, Michigan is facing the very real possibility of its first losing season since 1967. And finally, Joe Paterno has now led Penn State and its retooled high-powered offense to a 7-0 start for the 11th time in his career. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the middle of the film. Hawkeye's Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. We welcome back Pat Hardy. You can read Pat's articles in the Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. This week again, Sean Patchett visits with Pat. A key win for the Hawks, especially on the road. Can you talk a little bit about what this game, this game means for Iowa? Well, I think it kept the season from spinning out of control. I, they had to win this game because nothing good happens when you start 0-3. I looked, Iowa has never finished with a winning record after starting 0-3. So I think it was a must-win situation, and I think they're fortunate that they caught an Indiana team that's pretty down. I, not to take anything away from the victory, but this Indiana team's got some real issues. Do you think this was a turning point for Iowa at all? I think it's too early to say. If they beat Wisconsin, I think you could maybe say it was a turning point. But their remaining schedule looks a lot tougher now than it did at the beginning of the year. Minnesota's a lot better. Minnesota could be kind of the Big Ten's answer to Iowa in 2002. So I, you can't base a turning point just on one game. They come back and lose at home to Wisconsin, and then a lot of that same doubt creeps in. Do you think, as Kirk says, this is a result of the team getting better every week and that this is more like the Iowa teams that will see the rest of the season? Well, I think it's kind of hard to say. I do think it's a result of the team getting better every week, and I do think that Kirk knew that they were close, but I still, not to take anything away from the victory, but I still say a lot of it was due to the fact that Indiana just is a bad team. Iowa, Iowa did what it was supposed to do against a bad team. And if you look, Northwestern and Michigan State are both pretty good teams. They were close, and they just couldn't get over the hump. They got over the hump, which I think should help the team psychologically, but I just need to see more. I just need to see more than just one performance against a a team that's struggling and was without its starting quarterback in the second half. You were with the coaches and the players after the game. What was your sense in terms of what this win meant for them and the program? I think there was more relief than anything, just the fact that they were finally rewarded for their hard work and that they knew. I think they all agreed that they were doing the right things and they were moving in the right direction. They just didn't have anything to show for it. Now they have something to show for it. They got a victory, and I think there's just a sense of relief and a sense of excitement. It kind of revigorated them, and now they've got a little stronger focus going into the last part of the season. You picked Iowa to win this game, but did you expect anything like the dominance that they no, showed? No, I thought they'd 
be able to run the ball. I thought the offensive line would control the line of scrimmage, but I thought Indiana would do a little more damage on offense. I thought Killen Lewis would, and I thought it'd be more like that last series Indiana had in the first half where they drove down and scored a touchdown. I thought that Indiana would do a little bit more than that, but I still thought Iowa was going to win this game. Indiana's got some real issues, and their defensive line's not playing near as good as they did last year, and I just think that this was a game that was there for the taking, and Iowa finally figured out a way to take it, which was by committing no turnovers. Stanzi started slowly, especially on the first series, but after that he really looked like he settled down and played a good game. Yeah, and I, Kirk addressed that today. I think they're a little concerned about his starts. Kirk said that was a little disconcerting the way he starts. I just think he's maybe a little nervous. This is still re- new to him, but he's got to somehow try to figure out a way to get going a little better because sooner or later they're going to fall behind, get in another hole, and they're not going to be able to climb out of it. But still the good thing is he didn't commit any turnovers or what have you. He just seems a little shaky at first, but he rebounded nicely, and I think that says something about him. He he seems to be this kind of kid who can persevere and he puts the bad moments, he blocks those out of his mind and he kind of focuses on his next play and the one thing he does do better than Jake is he, he throws a much more catchable pass and that's the thing that to me has really stood out. How do you explain going from multiple critical turnovers to absolutely none week to week? I think some of it's just the luck of the draw, the way he was hit, what have you. I think in that Michigan State game, someone put a helmet right in the right place. Maybe this game, the helmet just was a foot over. I think it was just one of those little things. And I'm sure he was making a, a more concerted effort to hold on to the football, being that that's been a major topic and a major problem over the last couple of weeks. But to me, a lot of it is focus and execution, but some of it's just the way the game played out. Talk a little bit about the two running backs. Another really good game for Sean Green and really kind of a breakout game for Jewel Hampton. Yeah, I think they have to feel really good about their depth at running back. Packy O'Mara is back healthy now. I think Sean Green, what you see every week is that's that's who he is. He's a power back. The thing I like the best about Sean that I've said before is his consistency. He's not 200 yards one week and 50 the next week. It's right around 150 every week. And I think with Jewel, Jewel is more of a slasher, might be a little more explosive than Sean. And I think they're a lot more confident with him now. I know Kirk wasn't thrilled with the way he stretched the ball over the end zone there to get that one touchdown, but I think they addressed that issue. They really want him to value ball security and whatever, but I think they know that they have two backs now. I don't think they look at Jewel as a true freshman anymore. I think they have faith in him, and I think he's shown that he can get those tough yards in between the tackles. Kirk says he could sense back in August that this might be a very good offensive line. They're really looking like they're beginning to dominate the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they. I mean, in every game this year, and I know last year I wrote a column after the, new, after the Northern Illinois game praising the line, and then I was premature because the line turned out to be horrible. I did the same thing this week praising the offensive line, but I got a lot more proof. This I got seven games to base that on because I think the line's been consistent pretty much the whole year. They've been the most, the line and Sean Green have been the two most consistent things on this football team. They've I think they've won the line of scrimmage in every game they've played this year. Pittsburgh might have been the closest, what have you, but to me this is vintage Kirk Ferentz football and I think you I think that's why there's hope for this season still when you got an offensive line playing this well and they've been lucky they haven't had a lot of injuries either other than Dan Doring. Other than the one series at the end of the first half, Iowa's defense just completely dominated Indiana. Norm Parker unveiled a couple of new wrinkles to try and stop the spread. What did you think of the defensive play, and will this likely carry forward when we see other versions of the spread later on in the season? It's just hard to say. I think I still say you got to really emphasize the fact that Kellen Lewis did not play in that second half. When they put Ben Chappell in, they just really lost their ability to gain yards with the quarterback scrambling and what have you. But for the most part in the first half, before Kellen Lewis got hurt, they were playing well. They, But Indiana's, right now, their offensive line just looked terrible, and I think that really things kind of fell apart from that point. But I think losing Kellen Lewis was a big factor in this game, but I still need to see, I mean, I, just because you played well against Indiana's offense doesn't mean the same thing's going to happen when Penn State comes out here, because that's going to be a totally different monster. Let's talk about the Wisconsin game. 
series has been uh, very close, some hard-fought games in the last few years, yet the Badgers are struggling a little bit now. What's your sense of Wisconsin at this point in the season? Well, I think they're a team searching for their identity. I think they're a team that's lost a little bit of confidence. They've, Wisconsin's had things going well for them the last couple of years. They went 12-1 and and 9-4, and and I think what's happening to the program, I think now maybe people are looking in the mirror and maybe there's some self-doubt creeping in. I'm sure some fans up there are wondering if Brett Bielema was the answer because, let's face it, I mean, Brett was given this job without a lot of really experience. I mean, he had, he's, he's been a fast riser up the coaching ladder. This is really the first major adversity he's faced as a head coach and what have you. So I still see this game being close, though. I, In some ways, it's almost like beating Penn State, losing to Penn State that bad. It almost, you got to wonder if it's going to work against Iowa because, you know, Wisconsin's going to come in with a circle the wagon mentality. The series is always close. These teams play similar styles where it's going to be a power smash mouth. Football game, I think it's going to go to the end, but I still like Iowa's chances because they're at home, and I just think mentally right now the Iowa players are in a lot better frame of mind. Does Wisconsin remind you all of Iowa last year with a little bit of lack of speed and the uncertainty at You could say that, and a left-handed quarterback who's very inaccurate and what have you. Decent running backs. I do think their offensive line's still a little better than Iowa's. And let's face it, I mean, Iowa, I, don't, I think Wisconsin, this Wisconsin team is better than Iowa was last year, but they are similar because they want to play the same styles, and they both have left-handed quarterbacks who are struggling with accuracy problems. Well, we've agreed that Iowa seems to match up better against a team like Wisconsin. What do you expect to see in this game, and what would be your keys to the game? It'd be nice if Iowa could get off to a quick start. I, I know I say that every week, but that's huge. Get that home crowd roaring, what have you. I just see a, a, a smash mouth, run the ball between the tackles, run play action. I see. I think both teams are going to want to try to play the same style, and it's just going to come down to who wins those individual matchups on the line. And right now, I just think Iowa's playing a little better offensively, but that still doesn't mean Wisconsin can't come out and win this game. I mean, Iowa's going to have to limit their turnovers, play smart, sound football and just a lot of Sean Green, but also there's going to be times where Stansy's going to have to do some things too, because if Wisconsin comes in and loads the box and stops Sean Green, then that Iowa passing attack is going to have to do something, and I think Wisconsin's pass defense is suspect too. Any other thoughts? No, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good game. I see Iowa winning a close game. HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time www.hawkeyesmike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. Just a reminder that following every football game, questions will be posted on hawkeyesmike.com. You can respond to those or offer whatever comments you like. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To have your comments included in the next show, please call by Tuesday evening. Just phone 866-74-HAWKS. The new podcast should be available for downloading or listening in midweek. Again, just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the News and Events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. And don't forget, you can now subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. Post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Today's Hawkeye's Mic program is made possible in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary new hand sanitizer that kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi for up to 24 hours with a single application. It contains no alcohol and actually moisturizes hands while protecting you and your family. 
go to www.prefence.com. And by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. And by The Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodgeatui.com. Iowa hosts Wisconsin this Saturday in a battle for the Heartland Trophy, which Wisconsin has now held for two straight years. This will be the 84th game in the series, which Wisconsin leads 41-40-2. Saturday is the annual Be Bold, Wear Gold Day and will be Iowa's 35th consecutive home sellout. This series has been the closest and most competitive of all Big Ten series in recent history. While Iowa snapped a three-game losing streak by beating Indiana on the road last Saturday, Wisconsin got smoked by Penn State in Madison by a score of 48-7, their worst defeat in 19 years. The Badgers now have their own three-game losing streak and their conference games. They have also lost two straight home games, which are their first losses in Camp Randall Stadium under third-year head coach and former Iowa star Brett Bielma. Bielma was 17-1 in his first 18 games as Badgers head coach, but since then, Wisconsin has gone only 7-7. The Badgers haven't lost four straight Big Ten games since 1996. To be fair, however, Wisconsin is the first team ever to have to play consecutive Big Ten games against Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. It's an understatement to say that that's a pretty tough schedule. Overall, the Badgers are 3-3 and 0-3 in the Big Ten. Wisconsin runs a power offense similar to Iowa's and Michigan State's, and it has two big backs in P.J. Hill and John Clay. It has an outstanding tight end in Travis Beckham, who's also the leading receiver for the team, and it has an enormous offensive line averaging 6 feet 6 and 319 pounds. However, the Badgers have been struggling at the quarterback position and in their passing game, and are very thin in the defensive line. Starting quarterback Allen Everidge was yanked after the first half against Penn State. He was replaced by backup Dustin Schur, who didn't fare much better. The starter for the Iowa game probably won't be announced until game time on Saturday. All of this sounds a little familiar to Hawk fans, doesn't it? In spite of Wisconsin's troubles, it's important to remember they were preseason picks to finish second in the Big Ten, and they were ranked in the top 25 as high as eighth until last week's loss to Penn State. There is a sense that this Badgers team is a lot like Iowa's, much better than their current record would suggest. There's no reason to think this won't be another close, knockdown, drag-out game that either team has a chance to win. And the Badgers are likely to be especially dangerous with their backs to the wall, realizing that they could be facing a four-loss streak with bleak bowl prospects if they lose to the Hawks. Having said all of that, Iowa does match up well with the Badgers. Wisconsin has been vulnerable to strong running games, which the Hawks obviously have, and the Badgers also lead the Big Ten in turnovers. A comment from Kirk Ferentz that got very little attention this week came in his mini press conference after his press conference on Tuesday when he was quizzed again about Iowa's traditional offense versus variations of the currently more popular spread. This obviously continues to be a sensitive point with Kirk. At one point, he referred to his own offense, with tongue firmly planted in cheek, as Neanderthal, Cro-Magnum, Bam Bam, and Pebbles. Given that, and the fact that Wisconsin runs essentially the same scheme, maybe we should refer to this Saturday's game as Fred versus Barney. 
and changed the name of the trophy from the Heartland to the Flintstones. Kind of catchy, don't you think? Regardless of who they played last week, the Hawks looked like they were beginning to put everything together. They will need to continue to improve, try to control the line of scrimmage, and play nearly mistake-free ball to get the victory and regain possession of the Flintstone, uh, excuse me, the Heartland Trophy this Saturday. You see, we're on a mission from God. Huge win, I think, for Kirk Ferentz in getting this season turned around. Yeah, three close losses, three difficult losses in a row, and they get the worm turned, so to speak, and will improve to four and three. Well, and hopefully they get the bowl stock turned around, at least for another week, and we'll see what happens against Wisconsin. So the final score, the Iowa Hawkeyes 45, Indiana 9. Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights. Thanks to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy, and to our caller. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard, 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. We encourage new callers, phone into Hawkeyes Mike, make yourself heard, then listen to yourself on the show. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com for Iowa fans by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike, LLC.